the mushroom space, the LSD space, the psychedelic space is going to show you things in a way, like shift out and like move the focus. And you're like, oh, it, it's kind of like all this stuff that you've been programmed your whole life. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's nice to take a trip every so often to see it from that other perspective to then go, oh, wow, my reaction may not be in alignment of my best interest. The amazing thing about the mushrooms is that they speak, they talk to you, they will answer questions, carry on conversations. Psilocybin just pulls up a chair on the porch and puts its feet up. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Psilocybin Says. My name is Courtney Rose, and on this episode, I'm interviewing Amy Samuelson. She is one super cool lady. I really enjoyed this conversation with her. Uh, One thing I love about her is she just keeps it real, and she is not afraid (laughs) to bear all. and in like a really lighthearted and loving way. Um, In this episode, we talk about a whole spectrum of topics, Um, but she's coming from a diverse array of perspectives. She's a mother, a grandmother. Uh, She has served her time in the uh, high power suit corporate world and recently transitioned out of that world. Uh, just in the last few years and has been diving into uh, her spirituality and kind of discovering what that means for her now as a mother and a grandmother and an individual and somebody who wants to make a big impact in this world. Uh, So we talk about not only life, we talk about death and different perspectives on death and what is the psychedelic experience and how do we talk about this experience of life and death and incorporating uh, the psychedelic perspective into that uh, with our children and our community. And so I love that she has gone from the corporate world to now she's on the board of directors at Sanctuary, and she's recently gone through our cleric training and held space at a retreat for the first time very recently in the past couple of weeks. Uh, so we touch on that a little bit, and um, I'm just really excited for you all to listen to this episode. We mostly just keep it lighthearted and have a fun uh, and introspective conversation. So uh, I really hope you enjoy it. Please, if you're watching this on YouTube, give it a like. Uh, Please subscribe to our channel. We upload new podcasts uh, every week, not only on YouTube, but also on all the platforms you'll find, podcasts, Spotify, and iTunes, and all that jazz. If you're listening there, please do give us a rating. Uh, You know we like the five stars, so (laughs) if you love our podcast today, please do give us a five-star rating and uh, leave us a review and let us know what you think of this episode and our podcast share it with friends. We are so excited to be recording uh, these podcasts every week. We're now in the 80s as far as our episodes go, and this is just something that we enjoy more and more all the time. So giving us a like and a subscribe and sharing it really keeps us going. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy. This is the Courtney with 
Yes, we are. We are live. You have such good posture. Oh, thanks. My uh, my mom is actually a funny story. Well, of course, skating contributed to my posture. Uh, they'd have us do like shoulder checks. Posture. Coach would yell at me from the sidelines. Shoulders. <laughs> but my mom, uh, my parents knew this. Uh, I brought this woman up several times on the podcast, this wealthier woman, and she'd go to LA, Beverly Hills often. And she had this like famous trainer in Beverly Hills before like personal trainers were like a big thing. She had like, I think I'm pretty sure his name was Magic Mike. Nice. <laughs> and uh, that was his big thing was like posture comes first. So he had her stand against the wall and like make, you know, her lower zip up the belly, the lower back touch the wall. And then your shoulders are touching your lower belly is touching. And just like, that was one of the exercises that he did with her. And then she taught my parents that. And then when they were learning, they were like posture, posture, posture check. I like that. <gasps> I have so, to start doing it. And now it's ingrained in me. It makes a big difference. And in the mushroom space, it makes a big difference, I've found. To have a good posture? Yes. Huge. Wor a world of difference. Yes. The last time I did mushrooms, I think I probably was more like this. Because I was sad. Yeah. You know. That's the thing. Okay. It's really interesting. Uh, yeah, I used to trip when I first started eating mushrooms like Eric and I would lay down we'd be laying down and we had like a whole you know like cocoon of blankets and things and we'd be laying down and just like you know the mushrooms would come on and we just like put the blankets over and it was so hard for me to like when the dark waves would come and the whatever you want to call them, like entities who would just be kind of like confusing. Uh, yeah. And just trying to like play tricks on me. I could not, like, it was so hard for me to like move through that laying down. And then I realized at some point, if I just stand up from the start, it's so much easier to navigate the dark waves. It's interesting you say that because I personally have not experienced the dark waves. I don't think. Oh. I probably was holding on too much. I do remember these spinning kind of geometric shapes. I kept saying, the geometric shapes are not helpful. But they were kind of looking at me and kind of laughing. So uh -huh. I don't know if that was the entities. <laughs> <laughs> they come in so. all shapes <laughs> and forms. <laughs> right. So maybe. Maybe. Well, thanks for being on the show today. Thank you. This has been long awaited. We've yes. attempted to record several times now, I think. And here we are. It's happening. Eric's not here, um, but only because Theo has a ENT appointment. So now I get to have the pleasure of just, you know, me and you yeah. doing this. Yeah, it's so nice. I'm grateful for that. Yeah, girl power. Am I allowed to say that? <laughs> no, you're canceled. I'm not allowed to say that. 
Connor, cut it out. I'm just kidding, Connor. Don't cut it out. Just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah. So uh, for those of you who are listening and watching who don't know Amy here, uh, where do I begin? So we met Amy uh, on retreat, really officially, uh, which was a year over, just over it was a year ago. January. Oh, it was January. Yeah, but- Okay. I started attending sanctuary services a little over a year ago. That's right. So we met in person, I think the first time would have been the retreat. In January. Yeah. 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 And then shortly after that, um, you became our treasurer. I did. For sanctuary. Yes. Accepted that noble position. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It seems like anybody I ever try to get involved with needs a treasurer. I'm like, why? Why yeah. a treasurer? Yeah. Okay. Yes. I know, because I mean, so many people don't want to be the treasurer. Yeah. It takes you know special, very special skills, which, da, 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 which da, I, you yes, possess. I possess. <laughs> so excited. Yeah, and then you went through our cleric certification program. I did. I did. It's really neat. Just. The whole experience with Sanctuary so far, um, aligning, I guess, so well with kind of the vision of, I just think, a community that could really benefit us all. And so when I first started going and I started hearing more and more, I thought, wow, I really want to be involved with this. And I think I underestimated the mushroom a little bit because I had experience with other psychedelics. Mm-hmm. And so the importance of learning the cleric skill, I don't, it's just so important <laughs> to yeah. not, I don't. There's ba- there's fundamental things that yeah. are just important to know. And it's like, like we've been talking about, we brought this up on the last episode we recorded, which hopefully it makes it because the audio issues. But anyway, um, being first aid, having our clerics be first aid and CPR certified. And like when we've been talking about this with other people that have brought it up, um, something that comes up in the conversation is how the training is so much about having the confidence to in a situation where somebody like sprains their ankle or whatever trips on something, just having the confidence to know to just like be calm so that you're not like um, furthering the the panic in the situation. And I see the cleric certification as being like that, kind of like a first aid CPR type of certification. You're learning the basic things and from somebody who's really experienced so that when you're in the space and something weird starts happening, you can be like, okay, like I... It's all good. Like I've heard about this happening. It's all good. I don't need to panic. I can stay calm. I'm a little bit trained. Right. It was interesting going. So I just came off of a retreat and yeah, the first time being a cleric holding space for others. And it was really good to be able to draw on that. And at the same time, it was kind of like when you go to school and you study and you take the test and then a couple months later, you don't really remember. Right. So the actual ability to be able to apply it mm-hmm. um, more than once. Right. It it now 
it makes so much more sense being in that setting. And especially, so I had my own retreat in January, then this retreat this past week, and they're so different, the two, and how they played out. And so, yeah, having someone like Eric and yourself who have had a lot of experience with this share. Um, and then the community around it, just having other clerics there to be able to talk to and so forth. Yeah. Anyway, yes. Yeah, so I've been getting involved with sanctuary. <laughs> yes, you have. You've been getting getting up Get in my the sanctuary. My sleeves. Yeah. 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 I'm so glad. And I want to like I want to go back, um, like back in your story, um, for everyone who's listening who hasn't heard anything about you, or maybe you have. Um, but I want to go back to like. When's the first time that you considered taking psychedelics of any kind? I think I was probably, this is probably 2018. Okay. 2019. I think 2018. Um, so my entire life, I was, a, I was afraid of psychedelics. I think I'd read that book, Go Ask Alice. I don't know if you've heard of that in my generation. No. <laughs> so I remember like one of the scenes, she thought that she had spiders all over her and she's like scraping them off and oh, hurting her, you know, stuff like that. Uh -huh. So I don't know if that was like the war on drugs or if that was real, but there were all these things that made me afraid. Mm -hmm. So the most experience I ever had with drugs of any form would have been alcohol and marijuana. Mm -hmm. um, so I think partly... I was getting to an age where it's like, why not, you know, have some fun or whatever. <laughs> um, like, cause most of my life I've been very, you know, I've done what I'm supposed to do. Um, but then I, I started dating a guy that um, was from England and he grew up in the rave scene. So using psychedelics was something he had a ton of experience with. And so he was able to talk to me about, the whole set and setting and making sure that somebody's there as your guide and making sure somebody's taking care of you. And, and he, he shared all the beautiful stuff about it. And I thought, well, I want to try this. And I was really amazed. So it was LSD. It wasn't mushrooms. Um, I had never felt so calm and at peace in my entire life. And it, I just couldn't reconcile in my head how that was, how people talked about all these bad trips and they talked about jumping out of windows or like, I, to me, it was what a Buddhist is trying to, or a monk that sits in the mountain for like 30 years trying to mm -hmm. get to that moment of being present in the now and feeling the oneness. And like, why would we not want more people to experience that? Mm -hmm. Well, and I guess I could say why, because I took it, pretty far and ended up doing it a lot. And that got me. LSD? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, like, so, what do you mean a lot? Like how much? I, more than, more than once a week for. So, so we started out using it as something to go dancing all night or to in, in explore the beauty of the world. Um, and 
then to me, so it started to, it connected me to what we commonly call God, I would suppose. I had never believed in God before I had been a seeker. I didn't say there wasn't one. Um, but it, it was like a series of unfortunate events or series of fortunate events, whichever way you want to look at it, mm-hmm. that allowed us to all of a sudden have a lot of time on our hands. And the two of us were both trying to face a lifetime worth of mental health issues. And so this allowed us to be able to focus in and start to heal a lot of those traumas. Yet we were doing it without community. And so I'm learning all kinds of stuff. I'm, I'm having downloads of data coming from whatever this is. Mm-hmm seeing the world in a whole different way, getting ideas of new ways that we could do political government or community or just, I can't even, I could go on for, I, mm-hmm. I got to get my thoughts straight, but um, I didn't have anybody I could talk to about it. Like, yeah. So I'm going around, people think I'm nuts or manic or whatever. Um, so anyway, it was LSD, a, a lot of it over a, range of maybe six months or so. When I first started, it was like, you know, you do it once and then oh, some time goes and then you do it again. Yeah. So it's it was kind of like, I guess, I don't know if I was addicted. Um, Like, could you be addicted to a drug and not know it? But when you do it more and more and more and more frequently. Mm-hmm. Were you having like thoughts of like, I feel like if I have this LSD... I'm going to like have trouble tomorrow, but I feel like I should do it anyway. Or like, no, what was your, no, it, so LSD for me. So I guess some history and background I had, I had depression, anxiety. I had been diagnosed with fibromyalgia. I had digestion issues. I had tension. I had headaches. I had like my whole body's always in pain and feeling like I'm carrying a boulder uphill or something tired. And so LSD for me was like, if you take this, all of a sudden you feel like good. Yeah. <laughs> like my, I could, I could hike for hours and not get tired or I, I just, I didn't feel sad. I didn't feel, so I could just be in the moment. Right. Uh-huh. So I, I guess it, I, I would want that more, right? Now, it was good because LSD and I think any psychedelic, there's, or you you can, I couldn't take it every day because then I'm not going to feel anything. But I could take it just to not have to feel pain mm-hmm. and not have the psychedelic experience if I did it frequently enough that I wasn't hmm. getting a, visuals and all kinds of stuff. So but is I, this like microdosing or not? What was no, the dose? It would be, so normally between one and two tabs. What is that? Mode? Okay, I don't know. I'm. I know so little about LSD. <clears throat> I've only engaged so most with people it a few would times. probably take one or a half to to party or have fun. Right. And then if you take like two, a little, little square, yeah, a little square. So is that? Yeah. I think that's a hundred micrograms. Okay. Okay. One milligram. So sometimes one, sometimes one and a half, sometimes two. I didn't go crazy and have like seven or something. <laughs> okay. You know? Yeah. So 
so then if you if you hiking (laughs) yeah well seven a few times a week i think would be uh (laughs) if you did seven you're probably seeing aliens and like melding into the couch have a lot of trouble engaging with your (laughs) fellow peers and (laughs) right right so so if you wanted to oh gosh i just like i'm thinking about my family watching this and i'm i'm i have anyway so (laughs) if you have a have one gram, let's say, or one tab in order to go out partying and have fun. And then the next day you want it to continue a little and you take more. Mm-hmm. Well, you're not going to have the same effect, but you might have the effect of at least I can go a day without the headaches and the stomach aches and the yeah. knee pain and the, yeah, yeah. and then being present and enjoying the moment more. Um, so it was something that, yeah, I wanted to do a lot of. Yeah. Um, but I guess the part I was trying to get to before was, so I don't know, I don't know if it's because of the LSD or if it was because of the combination, like we say, set and setting. So at the time I decided to leave my 20 year career because of my mental health. And so I was studying everything and anything around mental health from the science perspective, all the way to things like astrology, Mm -hmm. right? Spirituality, religions, and so I'm doing this at the same time I'm taking LSD all the time. Mm-hmm. So to me, it opened up the floodgates where I'm feeling like I know the formula of the universe and I can reconcile all the religions and they all mean the same thing. And oh my gosh, I know like how differently to see the world. And and so I started coming up with all these ideas. And, and so who wouldn't want to live in that world, I guess, yet you have to be in this 3D reality with other people. And if the other people have always known you one way, and then you all of a sudden mm-hmm. start talking another way, that's not comfortable for them. Mm-hmm. And I don't know at some point if it became psychosis or like when I look back on it now, everything I learned, I'm glad that I learned. And yet I I wish I would not have hurt the people around me because of I let it get out of hand. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, it's so hard. Like, I mean, you just mentioned at the time you had decided to leave your career of 20 years, you said? Yeah. Yeah. And like going through, like carrying all that trauma and pain and everything for so long and then getting some relief from it. I mean, it's such a challenging process to navigate that. And on so so many levels, like here, like on one hand, the relief is happening. And then on the other hand, there's this like tension and relationships and like in a path forward. Cause it's like, how can I, how can I, how can I make a path forward when like I'm experiencing my life in this new and better way and also really challenging way? Cause like here goes me trying to tell my friends about this and my family about this and like the reality of losing people when we change, like no matter what it is, like when I was doing coaching and like throughout our time in Jamaica working with people and like with sanctuary, just there's this consistent thread of change being so hard, not because of actually 
the change that we're making in our life to make it better, but because of the people around us associated with like affecting them, like by improving our lives, we then like force the people around us to have to think differently or be like frustrated with us because they don't want to think differently. Right. And and for me, what I was learning, it was kind of like if you take everything you ever knew and you turn it inside out and upside down. And so then if I try to explain that to the people that have known me my entire life, and I also do things like leave a 20-year career. Um, yeah, it's it's not only like my awakening and my, my shock to my system, it's theirs, especially yeah. my children who fear for my safety and don't want their mom to change into some crazy person. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Even though ultimately I think that it was exactly what was needed and was meant to be. I just wish I could have done it without hurting people in the process. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, It really is, it is such a hard thing to navigate. Like big life transitions like that are the communication part with our loved ones is just as hard, if not harder than anything else, I think. Um, Because like when people don't understand and... We're trying to convey to them our our feelings and our new perspectives, and they don't get it. It can just be yeah, and then really also sometimes then being afraid that they won't get it, so then not communicating it in a way that's effective. Or <laughs> sometimes it's like, I mean, I can't. Everybody in my family and friends actually was supportive and they were there for me. It's just that they didn't know how to react to the way that I'm all of a sudden now talking. And I guess I would say like, I don't know. We can cut this section. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Maybe. Um, yeah, so I don't want it to sound like all my friends and family weren't supportive and, you know, it's more, I'm talking about big things. The mushroom space, the LSD space, the psychedelic space is going to show you things in a way, like if you, if you shift out and like move the focus and you're like, oh, it, it's kind of like all this stuff that you've been programmed your whole life. Mm-hmm. It, it resets or it, and so everybody else that has that same programming is going to look at you and say, what? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. 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 So, so I, like, how would you, I mean, like, how would you looking back do things differently with those people that you feel like were hurt in the process? Well, try not. I guess everybody has their path and everybody's on their journey. And it's not up to me to try to teach them or tell them what they should know. Yeah. So I think rather 
to be the example of that and to show them that I'm okay. And if they have questions, but I guess I was trying to convince people or, oh my gosh, I learned this. So it helped me so much and I want to help everybody. So it was kind of like that savior complex that we Mm -hmm. hear about or like Messiah complex. Like I was so, because I had been hurting so much and it was helping me, I guess I assume everybody else is hurting that much and I need to save them and share Mm -hmm. this with them. Yeah. Yet their thing could be something completely different. It, you know, and as long as that works for them, good. So I guess I would probably just not be out there trying to proselytize. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Evangel- and then I probably would not have done it quite as much. Uh-huh. Um, slow down on the amount of intake. Yeah, it's but, a lot to integrate. I think that was the main thing about sanctuary. I mean, number one, I was just at that point, I was at a very, very dark time when I met you all. Mm-hmm. But then also having a community of people that could speak the same language and it could see me. Because feeling misunderstood and unseen was very, very difficult. Oh, yeah, that's like the worst, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> like feeling like we are... I know for me, when I feel like I'm separate from everybody else, is like that's that's like it's not even death. It's like it's just like the worst feeling. Like being feeling like we're separate from the source of life itself. Cause that's really when when I can gain perspective on those times, that's like what it feels like. Like, why me? What is wrong with me? how come other people can't see me and relate to me and like, but other people are us. Right. <laughs> we like are we them and they are, are us. The same Who is they? Ultimately. And uh, yeah, that's really hard. And like you bring up such a good point with the whole um, proselytizing thing. And because it's, it, we've seen that so hardcore over the last couple of years and just like throughout time and phases I feel like it's always been this way in phases where we go through these spurts of like separation and like it's my side or no side like if like your side's wrong my side's right like I need you to understand me mm-hmm. I don't want to understand you but mm-hmm. you need to understand me I know and I figured it out and it's like it is a slippery slope in so many different categories of life to go down that road of, okay, I used to live like that and mm-hmm. I see you living like that now. And I'm like, you need to change. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> and that's just not how it works, but it, it is, it is really so easy to fall into that. It's like such an interesting human instinct. Well, and especially if it's been something that, has been beneficial. So when you talk about that separateness, I think that's what I had been carrying around my entire life, right? That's the, that was the depression and the anxiety was the separateness because I did not have a faith in something larger than myself. And I didn't know that I did this, um, 
my whole life was the external, not the internal. So I was, I was like perfectionist, imposter syndrome, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) let me get straight A's and rise to the top and dress a certain way or raise my children. The I, I tried to do everything the proper way. Mm-hmm. that society says is the proper way, and I lost myself. And so that's the story we hear over and over and over. And so if you have your community without God, but at least you have your community, um, I think at that time in my life, I had had my job, which was my life, and and I could use it as an excuse to show that I'm okay. Mm-hmm. I had raising my children, and I had my significant other, mm-hmm. and all of that was taken up, you know, taken off, and all of a sudden it was just me. And I, I, mean, I can't really say it was just me. I mean, my kids would have been there for me if I needed them, or you know. But when they gr- grow up, and move out, and you know, if you focus your whole life and you give yourself up mm-hmm. completely for everything else, you know, I, I can say I have tons of friends, you know, <laughs> but people would see the piece of me that was like them. I didn't necessarily share all of me with everyone. Yeah, and so yeah, I felt very alone. And at the same time, had found God. And everything made so much more sense. And I felt so connected that I'm having synchronicities all the time. And, you know, a song comes on the radio or like all these things that would make you sound crazy if you start talking to people about them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yet they are real. They are real. Yeah. At least if you are psych- have psychosis, you think they're real. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay. Uh, I mean, uh, I was diagnosed with that as I entered a psych ward with psychosis. Right. Yes. And that's so, kind of like so what like, I well, was Well, is it or isn't wondering, it? Wondering cuz that's the thing like without when we're when we look back through time and these um when we look back through time and see how our ancestors who had these practices with mushrooms uh, and other plant medicines like peyote and ayahuasca and you know all the so many other ones um, but there were there were like containers and culture like a cultural reference for those experiences so that when we experience, Like, I could go down such a tangent with this because I'm also thinking of death. Like, currently in our culture, we have, like, no framework for navigating death. Like, it it just somehow disappeared. Right. And it's such a stigmatized conversation. Um, Like, I was listening to someone, uh, a death doula, talk uh, on a webinar recently and she was saying that navigating death today like if you're diagnosed with say like stage four cancer or something and you're given an x amount of time to live like that experience today could be compared to being 
like imagining being like the first pregnant woman ever on earth to have a baby <laughs> right? and like nobody knows what to expect and nobody knows what to tell you or say to you. They're just all like, oh, like let's just not talk about it and hope you survive. And like navigating that death is what that's like today. And I just thought like, yes, when I heard that, I thought that is also what navigating the psychedelic experience is like today because we could say that they might very well be like one in the same types of experiences. And so when we're trying to do that with no community, uh, no framework, of course we sound like we're psychotic because it's like, how how am I going to talk about this extremely important and monumental experience when nobody, people are looking at me like I'm crazy and, but I'm not, but am I? <laughs> right. You're looking at right. me like I am, but right. I feel like this is really important for me to talk about, but like nobody will talk to me about it. <laughs> it will make you go crazy. It, yes. It, it, and like I said, I think I opened some sort of floodgate. So my mind was processing so much information I don't even, so that's partly like I was so excited to find sanctuary because what sanctuary is doing checks a lot of those boxes of the things that the LSD was telling me. (laughs) Like what? (laughs) Um, We are one. So the litany of gratitude that we do where we talk about, we, we breathe by the sun. We like, so I was starting to see the world as one organism. So all all of it as one big breathing thing. Like I am part of it and it is part of me. I'm not separate from it. Um, if that is the case, then I am you and you are me. So all these people that we want to judge and we want to criminalize and put in jail cells or we want to say they're bad, well, they are us. So, so thinking about how could we have community, like to kind of heal our wounds and come together. So I like that sanctuary is like non-dogmatic, all-inclusive, that kind of stuff. And I understand it requires policy to have any kind of organization. You have to have rules and you have to have kind of a code of conduct or whatever, but that idea of I am you and you are me, if we all believe that, it scraps our entire system because our entire system is about binary us versus you and mm-hmm. whoever the us is and whoever the they is. Um, the borders between cities, states, countries, um, all the religions, basically, I was seeing like... it. So it was kind of like seeing, it was kind of like mathematical, the nature of the universe in mathematics, like div- divisible by zero, zero equals love, non-divisible by zero. This is so funny you're just bringing this up. I'm sure, I wonder if Jacob's hearing the sound series. He just is working on this. Eric's 19-year-old is downstairs working on like quantum physics mathematic equations around like he was just trying to tell me about it and I had never thought of it 
this thing in terms of mathematics and so I'm oh yeah I was looking up like so I would have visions while I was on LSD and then I would go look them up in a book and find some physics document explaining it or yet I would not be able to explain it to a physicist or a mathematician Mm -hmm. because it is that ineffable space it's like I saw the visual I saw the knowing of it. Mm -hmm. Um, Things like with photography, that, that ratio, the, the depth of field. (laughs) Oh, see, again, I can't explain. Yeah. Finding the words is so hard sometimes. Well, and it's, it's also like, you can become, so I guess I'd call myself a jack of all trades, master of none. You know, like I learned some math. I was a math major in school um, for a while. Uh, but do I, can I explain all the different formulas? Not now, but I can understand concepts. Mm-hmm. So I just started seeing how everything follows the same exact model. It's very, very, very simple. It's just picked up and replicated all these places, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So the design of the world is just beautiful, but it all does feel very mathematical. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So I started to see that. um, Mm -hmm. I I don't know. I guess I... And then the, the idea of if I am you and you are me... And looking at all the different religions and trying to tie them across and finding what are the like guiding principles of each one of them, you will find a common denominator. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, there's really not a reason for us to be fighting across all these religions. We all want the same thing. Now, if I have trauma in my life or I have history and I read those texts, then I interpret them in such a way that may not necessarily mean what they meant. Mm-hmm. So... After taking psychedelics, when I would read those texts, I would have a different interpretation than I did before. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Now, I wasn't raised in a church, so maybe it is easy for me to read things and look at them in a different way than somebody else that mm-hmm. was raised being taught that. Um, so, right. yeah, so I just, anyway. So, well, you mentioned before, uh, I think you said before you started uh, eating LSD on a regular basis, uh, which you'd no longer do that, uh, but before you started doing that, you were, you didn't believe in like God or you identified as an atheist or like how would you describe pre-psychedelic Amy as far as spirituality and... Seeker. 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 I did not know. But you wanted to know. I wanted to know. So I guess this is my religious trauma. My mother is atheist. So growing up in the 70s, 80s, um, I did have my parent. So my grandparents, Catholic on one side, Methodist on the other. So I did go to those churches occasionally. I went to church with my friends across the street occasionally. Um, I made, got made fun of because I didn't go to church, you know, it was expected you would. So I always felt kind of an outcast or something to not have religion in my life. Yet, if I were to believe 
then that would mean my mother would burn in hell for all eternity. So what choice does that give me? If you were to believe Yes, because in... if they say you don't believe in God and you don't accept Jesus Christ into right. your then you will burn in hell for all eternity. Yeah. Well, then if I accept that, then that must mean my mother is going to burn in hell for all eternity. Oh, right. So as a yeah. seven-year-old or something, I'm yeah. like, hmm, what decision is this? How, how, how am I supposed to choose sure. this religion that's going to burn my mother in hell for all eternity? <laughs> right. <laughs> it's, I think it's a great thing to tell a child. I mean, why not? It sounds like a really healthy outlook. <laughs> I, had, I had the, the poem on my, on my wall. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep if I die before I wake. <laughs> What about equates to please when take I was, this my soul or whatever? Like it was just scary to me. It was right. That's yeah. That like right when you said that, I thought of reading uh, my this book that I reference all the time, "The True History of Kentucky," and it talks about how when the settlers first arrived here in Kentucky. They, it was a very real thing uh, that that Native Americans, the Iroquois in particular, were a very real physical threat. And the parents would often tell the children, like, you know, if you don't lock the door, if you open the door before you look outside in the morning, you will be decapitated. Like, you will and that was because it was a, I mean, not like a, on a daily basis, but it was a very real yeah, thing. Like yeah. that was not a myth. Right. That was like a thing around these parts. So it's like similar, <laughs> like before you go to bed, honey, right, in case me... you don't wake up in the morning, <laughs> just remember to say a little prayer. <laughs> right. And that's what I could see that, you know, it was li- anyway. The other thing, I guess the other religious trauma would be in Going to the Catholic Church with my grandparents, I got to be a certain age where everybody's going up to get their sacrament, and I wasn't allowed. You know, right. you're 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 not good enough because you didn't go through our processes. So this was your mom's. <laughs> my parents? mom's parents were Catholic, so yes. she like defected from the yeah, Catholic Church. She was church raised or? in the Catholic Church, um, went to Catholic schools. Um, I don't know that it was like traumatizing or bad or anything. Like it was decent. She just started questioning it. She was like, why is it that what we believe, everybody else is wrong? Mm-hmm. And then she ended up going to school, and she took sociology, a couple classes, and like science classes and so forth. And she, she started to just question it all. And so I don't know what other reasons she has, but she's, she's more of the perspective of when we die, we become earth again, mm-hmm. right? And then by she's able to live on forever through me and through other people that, you know, imagine the number of people that you cross in your lifetime or pets or, or trees or whatever. The impact you have on all of those things is what lives on. Mm-hmm. And you then, you know, become earth and worms eat you or whatever. So to me, that was very mm. terrifying. Um, it works for her. She's not, you know, she... But I guess for me, I was always, because I wasn't raised, I, I remember once saying, I wish I had been um, 
this was something that really upset my my sister-in-law and my niece, and I apologize. I'm so sorry. But I said, um, I wish that I had gone to church since I was a kid so that I could be, what is it, like mind-controlled or whatever, like how we all believe in Santa Claus when we're little kids, right? Because we're just taught that, and so we believe it. Right. I kind of wished I was raised in a church so I would believe it. So instead, I guess I was just always wondering, and then I would always have this kind of like, if I did go to a church with friends and they would do the little prayer um, to accept Jesus, like I would try, but I, I just couldn't get over a God that would make me bow down to him, otherwise he would burn me in hell. Mm -hmm. Like, I just couldn't get over that. So then I started right. like, I was just always interested, so I'd like Hindu, or I, I took like a religious comparative religion course in college, and mm -hmm. I would read different texts, or just throughout my life, I just kept, stayed open to a lot of it. Mm -hmm. um, and I just, I had the theory that God talks to us at different points in time, throughout history, in different places, and then the people that hear it, share it. And by the way, my brother has a podcast called Hear It, Share It. <laughs> called what? Hear It, Share It. Hear It, Share yeah. It? Really? Yeah. Wow. Um, so when the people that hear it, share it. Um, and so I believe that all the, I always thought all the religions were true. Like if you happen to be living in India, you learn this. And if you happen to be living over here in, uh, you know, the Muslim countries. So if I were to have LSD talk to me and LSD has put me in touch with God or the source or whatever, and then I write a book, and then people use it as a method. Mm -hmm. Th these things happen all across the way, and they're all true. That's the way I've always thought. That's what stumped me as a kid. Like, I feel grateful that it's interesting to hear you say, like, that you had that, you said that at one point in time to your sister-in-law and your niece, like, that you wish you would have grown up and just kind of been indoctrinated yeah. and not had to think It was the words I used, too I much think, made about it, it seem offensive to them, and I didn't mean to be offended, offensive. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, I've... It's interesting to hear you say... the word I used. Brainwashed. So you really felt that way, that you wished you would have been... Yes. Really? Yes. So that I wanted to believe in God. I wanted to, I wanted to believe. Like I, I always felt like people that went to churches, they had that whole family and community and customs and, and uh -huh. celebrations and traditions and. Right. But it, it's probably the community more than anything. Yeah. And then the connection. Like if, if I feel like, if I felt like there's a God that's going to accept me and love me no matter what, and I'm just. I'm going through my life and I'm going to make mistakes and you're blind until you see and it's you're forgiven and all that stuff. So that's great. But I, I didn't have that. So all I had was this physical world. And so I better do a good job mm -hmm. or else you should be ashamed or, mm. or I, I, like just not having, a, I didn't have a connection to God until I did LSD. So 47, 48 years of right. my life. Well, like that. What you said about the whole like damnation thing and like bowing down, like you are higher than me and like a sense of greatness, like in a sense of like more valuable, like you, God, are like more valuable than me, a peasant, 
you know, like that kind of attitude. Like that's what got, that's what stumped me as a kid where when my mom would bring me to church and my grandparents were religious, different denominations of Christianity. And I just couldn't, the, the, it just didn't add up to me. Like hearing that the whole like heaven and hell. And then at the same time, it's a loving God. And then it's a, also like a, a spiteful or a hating God or whatever the terminology was like an angry God. I'm like, what? This God is like, has multiple personality disorder and I don't like it. I don't want to bow down to this mofo in the sky. (laughs) And then this other thing of learning when I was in middle school, I started my friend, my best friend, her dad was a pastor at a local, um, what was a denomination? It was a Christian denomination church. But in their youth group, they did learn about other religions, which I'm really grateful I had that experience because I didn't even read—I thought there was only Christianity, which is really messed up. Like, so many people still to this day think, like, they don't—they just aren't exposed to the fact that there are other religions. So that, like, just logically— Understanding that, okay, people around the world believe in different gods, and they're all saying, like, no, this is the one, like, this is, or these are the ones, or this is my god is, you know, your god, you just don't know it. And it's like, how do you, how do you work that out? You can't be doing that. But <laughs> like, if you really believe it then I could completely understand why people would wage wars over it, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you're trying to save everybody. They're going to be in damnation otherwise. Yeah. You know, they better do it my way or else this God. It's so scary, though. I mean, it... Yeah, it's just, like, a logics, like, maybe if everybody had, like, a logic 101 class (laughs) in middle school, like, we'd all be... (laughs) Maybe, maybe better off. I don't know. Well, if you deduct it, everything in love, if you deduct everything that we read into all these different, that's to me, like if we just, and then the treat others as we treat ourselves, it's not like treat others as you want others to treat you. It actually, I think, is treat others as we treat ourselves. So if we start to treat ourselves with love, then we will reflect that love to others and if we're treating ourselves with contempt or ourselves with shame or ourselves, then we're going to do the same to others. Yeah. Some of these rules, it's like the way we interpret them, it's like if we just flip it upside down or inside out, it's like, oh, that's what it meant. It did, at least to me, because I'm right. Yeah, right. Me too. Everybody should listen to I, what I say. Yeah, we we haven't figured out. So. <laughs> yeah, if you got any questions about how life works, you all just ask us. Comment right. below. <laughs> so, like, how did you how did you talk with your kids about death and like that whole topic? I don't even know. Did it come up? Like when y'all pass, this has been a thing like with Theo lately because we live right by a graveyard and on the way to school, we pass this really big graveyard cemetery every day. And lately, since our neighbor just passed on last two weeks ago, he uh, or Theo's been like asking a lot of questions. Like, I don't understand. Like, where is he? Like, what do you mean he's not? 
over there anymore. Like, he's where? And which is not the first time he's posed these questions. Um, I think at three and a half, he was like, he asked what, am I going to die someday or whatever when he first heard that. But in the past few days, we've been passing the cemetery and he's like, is that where our neighbor is? And like, is he like, can he breathe under the ground? You know, like asking all these questions, like associating directly the body with like consciousness, like, and like, well, trying to wrap his head around if he's not conscious, how is his body down there? Mm -hmm. And then where is he? And like persisting, (laughs) persisting with it, which is great. It helps me revisit that. The whole thing, the whole big shebang every single morning. Right. But like... I don't remember. I don't remember. I probably would have said something similar to the heaven. Like when we had my dog pass away, went to doggy heaven, or Mm -hmm. um, that your spirit leaves your body and it goes back to God. I I don't Mm -hmm. know. I, I don't know that... I honestly don't know. I'll have to ask my kids. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, I'm I'm super curious how other parents who like have gone down this path of uh questioning what they were told and di- religion and yeah, like but still Yeah, I either would have said in, the heaven thing or I would have said I don't know, which is scary, but I don't. Well, yeah. I kind of I hope I do. But I don't. That's the thing. It's like I, I I had the same like debacle in my head yesterday morning. I'm driving down the road and he's like, oh, well, he's like, hey, hey, Charlie. He's like waving at the neighbor, like at the cemetery. And I'm like, well, he's not there. He's not there. I know it's confusing, but like he's not with his body anymore. And, and he's like, how do you know? And I'm like, uh, well, I don't. And he's like, well, then why would you tell me that? And I'm like, I'm just trying to I'm just trying to figure this out too and also and he's like well then where is he you know like for a child like it's where so... were you before you were here right that's, and that's even maybe he would remember that's kind of like I and I've used that before like well do you do you remember like none of us remember where we were before we were born and so it's like this the same thing like you were you were somewhere before you were in your body right here. So it must be that you go somewhere like before you were born. And uh, yeah, he seemed to reflecting back on that, just kind of be like, Oh yeah. Uh, But if you get on the bus to go wherever it is and it was an undisclosed location, nobody could ever know where you went. An undisclosed location. (laughs) (laughs) Well, like if I were to say, Courtney, I'm going to take off. I'm yeah. I'm glad we got to spend some time and space together. And then I left. And I never told you where I was going. Right. I wouldn't have probably disappeared. I went somewhere. Yeah. So that's why I said like if you got on the bus to go to an undisclosed <laughs> location. <laughs> into the light. Into the light. Right. Yeah. So if we are if we are put here to forget. So so if we need to learn, this is this is a theory. So God loved us so much that He sent sent His children 
down here mm-hmm. to be apart from to then learn what it feels like to be part of. So mm-hmm. you have to be apart from in order to know what it's like to be a part of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Perspective. we're supposed to try to remember that while we're here. Cause, but we're, our mind is erased before we are sent into the video game to play. That clever, <laughs> clever dude in the sky. <laughs> but we get however many health points, you know, like once you, you can play again. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's fun and interesting and to me, like empowering to like, maybe not empowering, probably more like humbling is the term to like, remember that there's so many possibilities of how this thing that we're in works. And yet yeah, and that actually makes it more fun, right? I mean, I think so. And that's what's been so strange about like the way that I thought of the world before and after LSD. And it's not even just LSD. I think it is, I had the opportunity, which many, many people do not have ever, to actually have time on my hands Mm. without having to take care of anybody else. Time to reflect or time to dive in or whatever. Most of us just rush from thing to thing to thing trying to survive. Mm -hmm. So it was LSD plus time. Wow. Yeah, time to reflect is like, that is a precious gym. You got to be careful not to go too far down into the pool, though. You don't want to be covered in diamonds. (laughs) Then you just start to look like something's up, buddy. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, which having that time to reflect is like with psychedelics, like with mushrooms in particular, like, from my experience, like having that time, that integration time before you go in again. And it's not like there's no black and white answer to the question of like, how much, how many mushrooms should I eat and how often? Well, I mean, it's like totally depends on the time in your life and like what you need to figure out for yourself. Um, But that reflection time is just equally as important as going in. Well, and I I think I was reflecting upon, again, like 47, 48, 49 years all at once. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So thank you to all the people around me who were supportive, even though I might have not thought you were. (laughs) (laughs) What do you mean you don't understand? (laughs) We're existing on like 40 different dimensions right now. Can't you wrap your head around that for a second? And I I used to, I was talking to people like, your body is like domain architecture. Domain architecture? Domain architecture. So so at my job, I did a lot of work with developing, I wasn't a technologist. I was on the business side, but developing software. Mm -hmm. And so... There were domains that covered, like you might have a domain covering data and something over here. Like when we're doing Kajabi, you know, you're trying to do the the customer service piece over here and you're trying to do this piece over here. Mm-hmm. And all the pieces are responsible for a particular function mm-hmm. and they all may have some overlap of each other, but they, but they 
and, and they may have connections where they say, if this plus this is okay, then you can do this. Okay. okay. So see, I'm losing you Got like it. I do. A, so I started studying like the chakras. Yeah. And um, I was doing, oh, what's it called where they poke needles in you? Acupuncture. Acupuncture. Yeah. <laughs> Acupuncture and meditation. It's either that or something really <laughs> creepy that I'm not sure if I'm ready to find out. <laughs> 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 Hopefully acupuncture. <laughs> it was acupuncture. Okay. Okay. So anyway, I, I went off on a tangent, but I started really looking at the human body, like domain architecture, like the different parts okay. of your body. If that you makes take sense. Your, yeah. Sure. Yeah. It's all like an operating <clears throat> system yeah. of different uh, uh, departments. Yes, and all these departments have formulas, and the formulas have pluses and minuses, and based on those, those, you have like a magnet of various opportunities that will come your way based on how your body Mm. is or is not in alignment. Mm -hmm. And beyond those, like that frequency of what you're drawing into you in order to be able to, it's like all about trying to get that balance back. Mm -hmm or to learn whatever lessons those were that are putting you in the plus or minus. Mm -hmm. So beyond that is also dis-ease. So if I have problems with digestion or I have problems with my neck, those all mean something because we have these different domains responsible for various things. Mm -hmm. And there's all kinds of information out there that we, none of us know about because we should just take our pill. Yeah. So right. anyway, so I was telling everybody about all this, you know, the dun, human dun, body. Dun. <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to write a book How'd and I'm going to, I'm going to save the world. I just kept saying, until, well, I need to find my voice. I need to find my voice. Cause I'm going around going. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe uh, I planted seeds. Is, right. I'm just, I'm reflecting on so many things, like just recalling the people in my life, when I first started eating mushrooms, uh, which I I was listening to a lot of Alan Watts at the time, like a lot of like streaming, like all waking hours, Alan Watts, uh, and then started to listen to Terrence McKenna. But so like my, I was opening up to the concept of God um, for the first time since being a child, which when I was a kid, I just thought I would pray like, please. Yeah. Like, please give me like what I want. <laughs> oh God up there. Um, oh, and then I, a good friend sent me the Kabbalion, which like, that was really the kicker that blew me open. Like, Oh, like there's the capital all. And then the lowercase all. Oh, um, and then started eating mushrooms. And then all my friends, yeah, I was just this spewing like, guess what? Guess what? That experience that you're having is, I know what that shit is. Yep. And then telling them and they're like, ugh, like, I'm not, I don't want to hear that. Right. Like, I, I didn't ask for that. And getting pushed away like hard and fast. Like, I mean, I lost friends like, just dropping out, which, you know, it is what it is. Like, it's really hard. 
to try and reconcile that. Like, I don't understand why you don't care about all this new information I have. Right. Especially don't you because... Know? Well, now I understand why evangelists are the way they are. The right. people that would come and knock on your door and say, I want to share the word. Right. I'm like, oh my gosh, if you believe it, the amount that I believe it, like, yes, please come in. Right. And, yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's, but I, I, often, I could look back on the multiple times that people tried to tell me stuff about the chakras or spirituality or all these things that I shut the door on them. Sure. You're so, like... So, do yeah, that. Right. Okay. And then you turn around. Ugh, get me out of here. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to. Somebody brought this up in Discord, uh, in the membership Discord the other day. Just like it's hard to look back at. They were bringing up a specific instance of recalling a time with a a person, a a, a conversation with a person where like they said something that is very different than what they believe now, but basically discouraging them from engaging with uh, ayahuasca, I think it was. Yeah. And then like being in a place now, coming from that perspective of like abstinence and, you know, straight edgeness. And then now being on this path of believing something very different as far as what plant medicine is. And it's like so painful to like look back at times where we... <laughs> just didn't have the information. I remember, so So Gary, who I was with for five years, he, he committed suicide in August of 2020. And it was probably August, it may have been July, that a friend of his wanted to give us DMT. Mm -hmm. And I was like, hell no, you know, because I didn't, and I had heard, you know, it's 10 seconds of visiting aliens, like leaving your body and all this crap. Like, heck no. Yeah. And I wonder now, I mean, you can't play what if scenarios, but, and and it's interesting, like he ended up dropping the, the canister or whatever and it broke and it, so mm. for some reason we didn't have, we couldn't do it because it broke. But I was thinking like if Gary had had the opportunity to try DMT, had he, would he still be alive today? Um, or work with mushrooms the way that we do the mushroom retreats here. He and I had taken mushrooms like once together for fun. Mm -hmm. But yeah, these things that we shut the door on so quickly because of lack of knowledge or fear, um, how differently things could maybe be. If, yeah. if these were available for folks in the right way. I mean, not just like I, for a while, I was saying, let's put some LSD in the water and it would cure mm -hmm. the world, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yet maybe I, my experience with LSD was the way it was because I was seeking a way to heal and thinking about new ways of like, what am I going to do next in my career? You know, maybe it led me to all the good stuff versus if somebody, I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, yes. Ayahuasca, yeah. DMT. He and I had talked about maybe trying to take some trip somewhere to do ayahuasca, but we couldn't necessarily afford it or whatever. Yeah. So anyway, that made me think of that. Yeah, it's definitely a slippery slope playing the what if Yeah. this would have happened, that would happen. Because, yeah, it's like, well, it didn't. So must not need to have happened that way. It led but, me here. And if 
and we are right. There is somewhere else where they go. So he's still with us. Were you uh, uh, participating in Sunday services when we read that book, Dry Those Tears, by Russell I something? I forget his last we name. did the game of life, and then we did something after that. Yeah. Maybe. I, th- I think it was Dry Those it was, Tears. Yeah. Um, well, that the main takeaway I got from that book was that like the perspective which I I've been holding this and something I've been communicating with Theo as he's been asking these questions because it's the best perspective that I've been able to keep is um, Russell whatever his name is in the book says that we like we have this idea that it's this death like is this like finite like okay, we're here and then we're not. And then we go somewhere else. And he's like, it's not like that at all. (laughs) We're here Uh and then we're here some more. Yeah. Like it's not this thing of like this big transition thing that we think it is like to like, we go to a whole different world and like, it's a whole different thing. Like the separation of earth and heaven like this experience is like going to be very different from that experience. And the way he talks about it seems, it's just like very, I guess it's comforting and like a, like a creature comfort thing. Like, oh, I'm here and then I'm just going to be here some more. Like continuing on, like as if I'm walking into a different room in my house. It's not this like, big separate thing, which when I think about um, the idea that we're operating in all these different dimensions at once, then that makes sense to me. Like in theory, if we're existing in this room, in this dimension and another dimension where it's just slightly different, then maybe we just go to that like slightly different dimension where we're us and like our family is existing and people around us and everything around us like is vibrating and just like a little bit different of a way. Mm-hmm. Like maybe it really is this, this like step into a different room or a different light or something. Yeah. Just kind of like overlay on top the same thing, but it's it or space it out, but it's still the same. Yeah. Like it's space. this. It's like, yeah, we like we're here and then we like instead of like okay i could sit here or i could get up and go get some water it's like we're just like getting up to go get some water yeah it's just just kind of moving taking some steps over here <laughs> right 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 um it's interesting that perspective because i guess the one that i like <laughs> Yeah, what do you like? Which which version do you like? The version I like is, so if I were to take myself and I am made up of everyone that came before me, Mm -hmm. and that includes my ancestors, and like I talked about playing the game, you know, and kind of going back in one more time. Right. You know. So that we're trying to get to 
kind of this path of enlightenment or this ascended master track, you know? Mm-mm. Okay. So if I think of Gary as someone who also his DNA all the way back, when we meet our ancestors probably hung out together. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that he's passed, he may still be in this realm, like he could be sitting next to us watching us or whatever. But he's also kind of like going to prepare for the next time and come back maybe as my great-grandson. Or so you're kind of with the same tribe. Now it could get expanded because over time or – but you kind of keep and, – and everybody's kind of playing their part. Um. Like there could be things that we don't like about our parents, yet maybe they're playing the villain so that you can learn something and then you can be like, thank you. Like they signed up for that part this time. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, totally. So, and, and that also then gives me a way to have compassion or grace for someone who is acting a tyrant, <laughs> you know, like... If I have the DNA of, so if I take my ancestors, so I have what French, Scotch, Irish, English, German, Native American, I should be like fighting hey. myself. I'm beating myself up inside myself, right? Because all the things I've done to myself. Uh huh. Yeah, wow. So if you think about the people, oh, and Swedish. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. That's where Samuelson, I guess, is Swedish Samuel, Uh son of Samuel. Um, So all the people and going back, let's say six generations. I don't know how far back it goes inside my DNA. Maybe it's back to Adam and Eve or whatever. Maybe before then. (laughs) No, there's nothing before then. (laughs) Well, I heard from somebody it took like 20 grams of LSD that we came from Mars and then we established here because we messed up Mars. But who knows, right? Um, (laughs) similar experiences with mushrooms. So, right. So, um, anyway, I guess I could say that I'm born with my body, the domain architecture already being in place to have my central nervous system act a certain way based on my past experiences. Um, like, I don't remember, I don't know if it was monkeys or something, that they ate some berries, but every time they ate a berry, they got shocked. So then the, the next generation of those monkeys were afraid to eat the berries. It was just ingrained ah, in them. Yeah. Right. So if I have lived in a state of being disadvantage for hundreds of years, and I'm born then already expecting you to attack me, then I may act a different way. Sure. Or if I always lived with hunger or disease or whatever. So yeah. I just, it, I think it'd be interesting if we map back our ancestors and look at what they went through mm-hmm. and then looked at how we are reacting and then think, okay, well, we have a chance this time to learn from those times to then tweak this or tweak that. And the frequency of the universe is sending me Courtney mm-hmm. to help me through that. Or to teach me a lesson or whatever. And then once I learn that, I go to the next phase and the next phase. Yeah. So. I was listening to uh, Joe Rogan and um, uh, Duncan Trussell the other day while cleaning. And they said, one of them, I can't remember which one, like, 
what if our what if like our ancestors like three thousand years ago had Twitter? Mm. Like, oh goodness, how fucking great would uh-huh. that be for us to be able to read their tweets? So, oh yeah, like and just to think, <laughs> like I hope that all of this. Who knows where all this data is going to end up like thousands of years in the future that we're collecting now, like on the internet and emails and like, we had to get but, to the point where we could create this universe. So what's it created from? Well, could be. that's, that is a dangerous question. <laughs> that's like asking somebody why, why are you this way? <laughs> I don't know. I'll never know. <laughs> Well, um, I keep thinking like we had to get to this point where we could create this. I know that's so, but I, so Christina, the other day, uh-huh. we, we were sitting on my back porch doing some sanctuary work, me, Christina and Athena and music came on that was really good. And so I just jumped up and started dancing and the three of us just started dancing like crazy dancing on my back porch, like having a good old time. And I'm like, what a cool thing. I'm going to take a recording and show a sanctuary leadership offsite or what you know whatever yeah, yeah. The, you know look at us having fun content <laughs> i know <laughs> social media content we've just been done done talking about that if we just do yeah. a little i am sanctuary so um so i took the recording and for some reason all i recorded was somebody's foot for a minute or like it didn't and she was like that was probably just meant to be for us right it wasn't meant to be for the world but she said you put it out there into the world by having the intention of recording it right so i'm thinking like the more and more positive stuff that we record and put out there and the positive tweets and the like that's kind of forming yeah if i think if we can change the future can we change the past mm-hmm. you know so yeah if they had twitter back then what would they say i mean i guess we have we have mostly like the colonialism, like arts, we have history in art uh, and architecture and the pictures of the mushroom and spaceships and stuff on the caves. Right. Yeah, that maybe we got that's some their pyramid scratches or something. <laughs> <laughs> right. What yes. does this scratch mean? <clears throat> yes. And then we interpret it based on what we think, right. which could or could be correct or not. Yeah. There's, uh, <laughs> every time we record Every time I record a podcast, I'm, I just want to eat mushrooms right after, like just revisiting all the, all like the bird's eye, different perspectives that are obtained in this alt- altered state. Or I like, I wish there was a better term that I had for like the mushroom space and like the, that psychedelic space of just getting like getting just zooming out just like zooming out yeah of this yeah perspective here it can make me sometimes a little insensitive because and then i make comments that are from the zoomed out perspective rather than wow you really do have to go through this every day whatever it is that person's going through that is that is their reality mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. but yeah if it's nice to take a trip every so often to see it from that other perspective to then go oh wow my reaction may not be in alignment of my best interest mm-hmm. um yeah i would love to i would love to get more experience with mushrooms i i 
I went on the retreat, which was so significant because I was in such a dark space and it helped lift a lot of depression. Yet I was, what is it called? Um, resistant. So I would love to be able to dive a little deeper because I was still in physical reality of here. Mm. I didn't journey into a different space. So in the mushroom space, you were... In the were... mushroom space, I was still... I mean, I could I could see visuals. And I felt like I was communicating directly with God. But I was still in the house. In... You were like cognizant of being in the house, yes. you mean? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, but that's, but that's... I could still walk and I could still... I mean, I could... I remember... I remember the the world was coming towards me in the visual like like right now if I look out at the trees the trees and the and the clouds and everything was coming towards me and I remember thinking like I keep going just embrace it it's being laid out before me I I'm not in control you know it's coming towards me I just need to accept it so I thought it was kind of neat to see that in the mushroom space with everything coming towards me but yeah I still knew that this was a couch and I was in Kentucky okay. and my name is and like I didn't have an ego dissolution or I think okay. it, I think it was trying <laughs> it was, yeah yeah so wow. anyway I'd love to get I, I plan to get more experience in the mushroom space well <clears throat> if I have anything to say about it <laughs> we will you will I want to eat mushrooms with you we still haven't eaten we still mushrooms need to together do that. yes absolutely so I'm really looking forward to that Yes, sure. me too. Well, this has been a good part one. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that we have more opportunities to... I'm expecting that we will have more opportunities to record podcasts together as you come into town since you're visiting from Ohio right yes. now. Uh, so, yeah, I'm really looking forward to peeling off the layers of the onion, the Amy onion. Thank you. And it's really <laughs> nice to have help. What is it... The whole holding space concept is so fantastic to me because I think oftentimes we're trying to solve somebody's problems and help them just to have time to talk and like yeah. share my story or my experience has been really nice. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. Thank you for sharing it. Just you're being welcome. open to, uh, <laughs> it's kind of like the whole idea of recording a podcast is kind of like similar to this whole idea of like talking about death. Like people think it's one thing, like we were talking yesterday, like what is this like podcast recording thing? And then you get in here and it's like, Oh, just we're just talking. Conversation. Right. <laughs> we're just like hanging out. <laughs> right. Okay. Amy, before we wrap up the recording today, I need to know. The burning question. <laughs> what does psilocybin say to you? Psilocybin says, um, it is not your fault. It's not your responsibility. You are not a martyr. I guess I would almost say surrender because it's like I've been trying to control everything or I've been trying to blame myself or be ashamed. And it's like, wait a minute, this is much bigger than you. I was kind of put in my place a little like my ego. So dissolve your ego a little bit and just enjoy. Yeah. You don't need to take it so seriously. Surrender. It's not so serious. And you are it. not in charge, so you don't need to carry the burden on your shoulders. You're a part of the whole. It's been nice hanging out with you. you Thank too. you. And yeah, I'm really excited to do it again. Thank you. Thank you.